All right, good morning, junior girls. Hey, that was pretty good this morning. You must have had your coffee. Nice job. All right, we are going to start with some review to kind of recap the last couple days. So I want us to read our two anchor points, one from Tuesday and one from yesterday, together. So our first anchor point was, everybody can read it with me, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is imperative. Anchor point number two was, our value and identity is rooted in being intentionally created in God's image. And then we had our key question, what brand are you writing for in life? It was a great encouragement for me to sit in the counselor meetings the last couple days, and I've heard that some of you have chosen to make that personal decision to follow Christ, to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, and to not follow the ways of this world. And it was an absolute joy for me and an answer to prayer to hear that some of you this week have made that decision. Today I would like you to turn to James 3, and we are going to be talking about speech, our words, what we say. So turn to James chapter 3. And our first anchor point for this morning is our speech is directly related to our heart attitude before Christ. Our speech is directly related to our heart attitude before Christ. Walking daily with the Lord will positively affect our speech. One will affect the other and vice versa. So I'll give you a couple seconds to write that down. How many of you enjoyed the breakfast that we had this morning? Yeah, it was pretty tasty. Shout it out. What part of your body was working when you were tasting your food? The tongue, right? Yeah, the tongue. Can you imagine if you had no tongue? Could you taste? Nope, not very well. My grandpa he actually does not have a very good sense of taste at all. So he can really only taste things if they're extremely sweet or if they're extremely spicy. And I can't imagine going through life like that. It would just be like, "Eh, what's the point? Like you have to eat to stay alive, but other than that, you can't really enjoy it. Our tongue is really important both in eating and it's also very important in how we form relationships with others and in our daily life. So here are some fun facts about the tongue that maybe you didn't know. I got all of these from an office, um, a dentist office website, so they're all like official medical facts. But tongues are unique like a fingerprint. No one person's tongue is like someone else's tongue. Pretty crazy, right? All of our tongues are different. It's the body's strongest and most flexible muscle. I didn't know that. I thought that was pretty crazy. I've seen a lot of my fifth graders do crazy things with twisting their tongue and rolling it up and scrunching it up, things I can't do. It's made up of eight separate muscles. So there's eight muscles that go together and they work to form your tongue. The average tongue can contain between 2,000 and 10,000 taste buds. That's a lot. And just like we talked about yesterday, God knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows how many taste buds are on your tongue. I didn't want to count that job, stand in front of the mirror, uh, and try to count the number of taste buds. That would be ridiculous. 
The tongue's appearance indicates a person's health. There's a reason when you go to the doctor for your annual physical, they have you stick out your tongue, they put that wooden stick that tastes gross on it, and they have you go, ah. They're not just making you do that to look silly. It helps them see, okay, are you healthy or are you not? So those are some fun facts about the tongue. So let's go ahead and read James chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 3, and we are going to read through verse 12. Verse 3 says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So as we talk about speech today, as we talk about our tongues, I want us to make sure that we realize that it's not just the words that are coming out of our mouth, but in today's culture, it's also the words that are coming out of our fingers while we're texting, the words that are coming out of our fingers when we're posting on social media. In today's culture, with all of our technology, speech is all lumped under that category. Okay, So I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this today. Our first big idea is the tongue is small but mighty. I told you yesterday about my struggles being short when I was growing up. My mom would always tell me, you know what, Elisa, it's okay, because dynamite comes in small packages. That's kind of like our tongue. Our tongue isn't very big. It's probably, what, three inches, maybe four inches if you have a super long tongue. But it can do really big things. Like we saw on our previous slide, it's the body's strongest and most flexible muscle. It's like dynamite. It's a really small package deal, but man, the things that it can do, and the things that can come out of it, it can cause a big explosion. So the tongue is small but mighty. It can be used to do both really good things, and it can cause a lot of harm, just like with dynamite. You know, people in the military, sometimes people on construction sites, they have to use dynamite for good things. But if you blow dynamite up in the wrong place, it's going to wreak havoc of everything around it. It's like our tongue. We can use it for both good and bad. The tongue has the power to build or destroy our relationships. Have you ever been having a really, really bad day? And you're just like, man, nothing seems to be going right. And then maybe you see a classmate in the hall or maybe a parent comes alongside of you and they say, hey, you know what? I really like the shirt you're wearing today. It's really not that big of a deal. But in that moment, man, that puts a smile on your face. 
and encourages you. That relationship is built up because they use their tongue to say kind things. But also, on the other hand, it can destroy relationships. With my fifth graders at school, I hear things all the time. So-and-so doesn't like me. Well, why do you know that so-and-so doesn't like you? Well, they told me that my shoes were ugly. Well, number one, not super kind of them to say, oh, your shoes are ugly. But number two, saying that one unkind thing, that affected that friendship. That affected that relationship because they felt like that was a personal attack. We went from not liking your shoes to now they don't like me. So what you say, it can have a positive effect or it can have a negative effect. Sometimes we don't even think before the words come out of our mouth. We just blah. And then we're like, whoops, that was really dumb to say. And sometimes things that would hurt other people when we say it, we wouldn't view it as hurting ourselves, so we don't think it's a big deal. Maybe if somebody told me my shoes were ugly, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But for another person, that could really hurt their feelings, and then that affects the friendship. Proverbs 16.28 says, A whisperer separates close friends. Now, girls, I was a fifth grade, third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade girl once. We like to share secrets. It's just a fact of being a girl. And you see girls in the corner, oh, what's going on? And then rumors start spreading, and then the truth starts being changed into a lie. And before you know it, there's all this drama. And girls, we are the queens of that, okay? And the Bible says a whisperer separates close friends. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but that can lead into gossip. And then that breaks friendships. And I don't know about you, but for me, it is not worth losing a friendship over whispering behind people's backs over saying unkind things. Our second idea under this big idea is that the tongue has the power to influence and change people's emotions. I kind of mentioned that already when you're having a really bad day, nothing seems to be going right, and somebody just smiles at you and gives you a compliment. That can change your frown to a smile in an instant. Or somebody could be having a great day, and all of a sudden you call somebody an ugly name. And that tears them down. That makes them sad. What was a great day, now is kind of meh. All because you said something unkind. Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 4 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So let's say you get into a conflict at school and somebody has just made you really, really mad. And maybe, like, you have a reason to be mad because they've treated you very poorly. But in that moment, you have a choice how to respond. You have a choice to decide, okay, what words are going to come out of my mouth? Am I going to have a soft answer? Sometimes a soft answer means you don't answer at all. Sometimes it means you keep your mouth shut because you know whatever's going to come out is not going to be good. Sometimes it means saying... Okay, thank you, moving on. And a lot of times, if we just kept our mouth shut or we had a soft answer, a kind answer, the Bible talks in the New Testament about turning the other cheek, a lot of times that would just fizzle out the situation. But instead, 
I know my tendency sometimes is to say a harsh word, a mean word, a nasty word back of like, oh yeah, you're going to give it to me? I'm going to dish it right back to you. And what does that do? The Bible says that just stirs up more anger. And my heart and the person's heart that's talking to me So we have a choice how we respond to those situations. It says a gentle tongue is a tree of life. It encourages people, but perverseness, that means being sinful, rude comments, unkind, it breaks the spirit. It makes you sad. It makes you discouraged. The tongue needs to be directed. And we're actually going to go back to verse 3. It says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. How many of you have ridden a horse before? Ooh, lots of you. When you ride a horse, you sit on the saddle, and one of the main ways that you get the horse to turn directions is you have the reins, and you yank it gently one way or the other, sometimes not so gently, depending on how stubborn the horse is. But you see on this picture... The reins are attached to this metal bit that goes in the horse's mouth. You kind of can see it a little bit going up inside by his jawbone. And what that bit does is when you pull on the reins, it turns the horse one way or another. God uses that in his word as a picture of how we need to direct our mouths. In verse 4, there's a second illustration that God uses. It says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, I am not hugely knowledgeable about ships, but from what I can tell, there's a little piece of wood. It's actually not very little because boats are huge, but on boats, it's smaller compared to the rest of the ship. A little piece of wood on the front that's kind of at an angle. And somehow it is connected with the steering system of the ship. And so when the captain of the ship is steering, that little wood piece is cutting through the water at different directions, and that little piece is steering the whole boat. That's the way it is with our tongues. God uses these two pictures to tell us, you know what? The tongue is a really small part of your body. But it can do great things or it can do harmful things. And we have to direct it. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, closer to the end, but we can't direct it. We can't guide it on our own. We need God's help to do this. Our second big idea for today is that the tongue determines both our direction and our destiny. We're going to read verses 5 through 8. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. We've already talked about that. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made and the likeness of God. So the tongue determines both our direction and our destiny. I hadn't studied this, studied this passage in a while, but I was surprised at how blunt God was in some of these verses. 
The tongue has the power to destroy our life direction. It says at the end of verse 6, it can set on fire the entire course of life. That's pretty blunt. What you say, it could have the power to change your life forever, either in a good way or in a bad way. You know, when I was younger, I struggled with lying sometimes. And they were what I thought little white lies. Not a big deal in my mind. But you know, if God hadn't worked in my heart and got lying under control, if he hadn't worked in my heart and gotten my argumentative spirit under control, because you know, as girls, we're never wrong. Our parents are always wrong, right? Not true. But we think that we're never wrong, and so we argue because we want to be right. If I didn't get those things under control as a third, fourth, and fifth grader, if I'm lying as an adult, and if I'm constantly arguing with the people in authority over me, do you think I'm going to keep a job very well as an adult? Probably not, because they wouldn't be able to trust me. So what you say, it can change your life direction. You could lose all your friends because you're just being nasty to them with their words. And then you get later on down the road and you're like, man, I really don't have very many friends. And it's because you weren't kind to them with your words. So it has a power to destroy our life direction. It seems little in the moment, but over time those things build up and they can have a drastic impact. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's pretty bold. That's pretty serious. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You think about a match. I thought about bringing matches, but I didn't want to risk dropping them. But if you had a match and you light it, you know, you can put it on candles to sing happy birthday. You can light it with the candle to make the house smell good. It starts out very, very little. If we turned off all the lights in here and just had one match, would we be able to see very well? No. So it starts out really little. And a match can be controlled. You can use a match to light a campfire to make s'mores. How many of you like s'mores? Oh, yes, I love s'mores. So you can control it to make a campfire, to light a candle. But one match can also destroy. It can turn into a whole forest fire. Several years ago, there was some really big forest fires in California. And my cousin, distant cousin, but cousin, he's a pastor out there, they lost their house in the forest fire. And we don't know exactly how that forest fire started, but a lot of times forest fires start with one match that got dropped, that gets out of control, and then it can burn thousands and thousands of acres of land. So God uses that picture of the fire to show us, you know, your tongue is like a fire. You can use it well. It can be controlled. You can use it to lift other people up, or it can destroy. The tongue affects every area of our life. Some of us are more shy than others. Some of us are more talkative than others. But all of us talk every day. Some of us a lot, some of us a little. But our tongue affects every area of our life. It affects our relationships. It affects our friendships. It affects relationships with our family. It affects relationships with people in authority over you. It affects your hobbies how you interact with people on your sports team. Are you encouraging them? 
Or are you tearing them down? Man, I can't believe you missed that serve. Or, hey, you missed it this time, but you know what? You'll get it the next time. It affects your school. I've mentioned this before, but with my kids at my school, school goes a whole lot easier if we don't sit there and grumble and complain about it. But if we grumble and complain about it, it's just going to be miserable for everybody. It affects your hobbies, your fun time in the afternoon. Maybe mom or dad says, you know what? You can't go swimming at the pool today. Oh, come on. It affects so many areas of our life, and we don't really stop to think about that. It's also capable of getting us into big trouble. I just put together a list of some of the sins of the tongue. All of these sins are rooted in the words that we say, which is also a result of a wrong heart attitude. We have arguing. Come on, I don't want to do it this way. Why do we have to? We have gossiping. Did you hear that so-and-so did this? That's when you're talking about other people behind their back, and they wouldn't want to be talked about like that. Like I said, girls are the queen of this. Slandering. That means maybe you're not trying to keep it a secret going behind people's back, but you're saying it out in the open. Did you hear that so-and-so did this, and I can't believe it, and I would never do that, and they're just a weirdo? Whatever, whatever. Sometimes maybe you're even saying those things in front of them to purposely tear them down. We have swearing. I would also like to add into this swearing category, maybe we're saying words that are very similar to a swear word, but they're not exactly a swear word, but we're seeing what we can get away with. I think you kind of can all have some pictures of those in your mind, but it's when we're taking God's name in vain or we're saying words very inappropriately. Name-calling. Calling people names that aren't kind. Inappropriate joking. There's a verse in the Bible that says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's inappropriate joking. It's joking about things that you know maybe shouldn't be talked about. Joking about things that are a little off color. You guys probably have all heard examples of that. That's a big thing in this age group. Inappropriate joking. Grumbling and complaining. The Bible says do everything without murmuring and disputing. Everything. That means even the things you don't like to do. Even folding the laundry or vacuuming the floor. Or maybe going to bed when your parents ask you to go to bed and you really don't want to go to bed yet. Grumbling and complaining. Remember this fun fact from the beginning, the tongue's appearance indicates a person's health? Well, the Bible also says that what's in our heart comes out our mouth. So in a way, what we say, the words that come out of our mouth they're a picture of what the health of our spiritual heart is like. Are we pursuing Christ and following him? Or are we focused on following the world? Because if we're truly running after Christ, pursuing him and wanting to do what he wants us to do, are we going to be tempted as often to joke about things we shouldn't be? Hopefully not. Are we going to be tempted as often to argue with our parents? 
Hopefully not. Now, we'll still be struggling with those things. We will still sin. But if we are constantly pointing towards Jesus and running towards him, and our spiritual health is good, what comes out of our mouth is going to have a much better chance of being words that glorify Christ. I want us to read Luke 6.45. It says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Abundance means what's filled up, what's overflowing, what there's a lot of extra of. Whatever you are filling up your heart with, that is going to come out of your mouth. Now, I have a friend who is going to help me with an illustration this morning. So, Sophia, if you'll come down. She had already agreed to do this. Sophia was one of my fifth graders this last year. Everyone can say, hi, Sophia. Hi, Sophia. So, Sophia is a very, very sweet and kind girl. And she would never actually do this in real life. So, just so you know, what we're about to illustrate is not something that Sophia would actually do. So, I have these two cups here. Does anybody tell what this looks like, maybe? It's lake water. Okay. So would you probably want to drink this? No. It looks like there's some dirt, sand, rocks, some seaweed, some nasty foam of who knows what on the top. Okay. So I have this filled up with lake water. Now, I have a second cup here that is one of my favorite drinks from the coffee shop that Miss Riley made for me this morning. And Miss Riley filled this up with all sorts of good things. Coffee, half and half cream, white chocolate, caramel. Would you want to drink this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I had a choice what I put in each of these cups. They're the same cup. Okay. I could choose lake water with all sorts of nastiness or delicious coffee. Okay. So let's say that I have been filling my life up with the lake water junk. Maybe I'm watching shows that are inappropriate, and I have all that language floating around in my head. Maybe I'm hanging out with the wrong friends, and they're talking about things that we shouldn't be talking about. Maybe I know that I should be reading my Bible in the mornings for devotions, but I'm choosing not to because I would rather spend the time on my phone, or I would rather sleep 10 minutes more. Okay? I am choosing to fill up my life with this junk. Okay? So let's say... Sophia was having a really bad day, and she got really mad at me. And she came up, and she purposely knocked into me and knocked me over, and I spilled this water. What is going to spill everywhere on stage? Nasty lake water, right? And I might get upset at her. I might call her a name. I might be like, oh, you need to watch where you're going. Don't be such a jerk. Okay? That might come out of my mouth if I'm filling up my heart with the junk of the world. Now, let's say the same situation happens, but I have been praying, and I have been asking God, you know what, I need your help to control the words that come out of my mouth. I am spending time in God's word. Maybe I'm thinking about some of these verses that, you know what, I'm really struggling with saying kind things. God, help me to say things that would honor and glorify you. Maybe I'm hanging out with friends that are pointing me to Christ and they're not letting me get away with saying off-color things or things that are inappropriate. So let's say we have the same illustration. Sophia's 
upset at me for whatever reason. She wants to take me out in the hallway. I spill this. What's going to come out? Yeah, sweetness. Hopefully I would choose to respond in a way that says, oh, you know what? It's okay. It's not a big deal. I hope you're okay. So when we are walking through life, we have a choice. What's in our heart, what we're filling our coffee cup up with in life, that's what's going to come out. When we're bumped, when the trials come, maybe when people are jerks to us, what we're filling our hearts up and our minds with beforehand, that's what's going to come out. Thank you, Sophia. So what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Our speech is a good indicator of our spiritual health. Just like the doctor had you stick out your tongue and go, ah, to see physically, are you doing well? Are you healthy? What comes out of our mouth is a good illustration and a good indicator of what's in our hearts. Are we letting sin rule and reign in our heart? Or are we striving to glorify Christ in all that we do? We cannot successfully control our tongue on our own. No matter how hard we try, we can't do it by ourselves. It's an impossible job. Even as an adult, there are still times where I'm just like, ooh, I really want to say something nasty. But I have to say, you know what, Lord? I need you to help me. James 3, 7 through 8, it talks about that no human being can tame the tongue. None of us, nobody who's ever lived in the past, nobody who's ever lived in the future, no human being can tame the tongue. It calls it a restless evil full of deadly poison. Just like none of us would want to drink that nasty lake water, if we're not filling our life up with good things, what's going to come out of our mouth is deadly poison that nobody wants to drink. So we can't control it on our own. We need God's word. We need prayer to help us. Just like the horse, if it doesn't have a bridle on it, if it doesn't have a rider, it's just going to go galloping wherever it wants. It can't be controlled on its own. It has to have somebody to guide and direct it. Just like a ship. If a ship didn't have a captain, if it didn't have a rudder, that ship would just be floating out in the middle of nowhere. That's the same thing with our tongue. We have to say, Lord, you know what? I need you to help me to control my tongue, to direct my tongue so that the words that come out of my mouth are glorifying to you. The last part of this passage shows that our speech can show hypocrisy. Verses 9 through 12 says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You know, sometimes we like to say one thing to one person, and then we like to go to somebody else and say the exact opposite. That's hypocrisy. It's when your walk isn't matching your talk. You're saying one thing, and you're doing another. That could look like maybe you go to church on Wednesdays or Sundays and around your church friends, you're the perfect little angel. You're kind to everybody. You're saying things that are glorifying to God. Maybe you're participating in Sunday school class or a Bible study. But then when you get around all your unsaved friends at school, 
you're saying the words that they say, you're treating others poorly, you're saying jokes that are inappropriate, and you're being a hypocrite. Your walk and your talk are not matching up. The Bible gives two illustrations of this. You have a waterfall, you have a spring. You can't have both fresh water and salt water coming out of the same thing. It just doesn't work. Scientifically, it does not work. It also gives the illustration of a grapevine and figs. It would be silly for me to think I could go to a grapevine and pick off a fig or pick off an apple or an orange. You'd be like, that would be crazy. But that's the picture God uses. If we're a believer, if we've trusted in Christ as our Savior, and we're changing so that we become more like him, it's silly if we're being a hypocrite and we're saying one thing one place, but then another place we're saying another thing. It's silly when our walk and our talk don't line up. Now we're never going to be perfect, but it's the patterns that we're setting. So in review today, our speech is directly related to our heart attitude before Christ. If we're striving to become more like him, changing into his image, our speech will be directly affected by that. Our first big idea was the tongue is small but mighty. The tongue determines both our direction and our destiny, and what's in our heart comes out our mouth. What brand are you writing for in life? Are you choosing to pursue Christ? Are you going to ask him, hey, you know what, I know I have a struggle with gossiping, or I know I have a struggle with grumbling and complaining. Some of you will probably be tempted to grumble and complain when you go to the water activity today. The water's too cold. I don't want to be soaked. Why do I have to run and throw dodgeballs? I guarantee at least one of you will be tempted to complain about it. So are you pursuing Christ? Or are you going to choose to follow yourself and what you want to make your life easier? In closing today, two verses that are some of my favorites. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you for this day. God, I confess to you that sometimes my words and my actions don't line up and that sometimes I am more focused on what I want than what you want. And that is affected by my speech and what comes out of my mouth. And God, I pray for all the girls today. I pray that they would be able to identify maybe which of these sins of the tongue that they most easily struggle with and that they would come to you with that in prayer and ask for your help. I pray that they wouldn't try to do it on their own, but I pray that they would ask you to help them control their tongues and direct it so that way they can have positive relationships, that way it doesn't tear relationships down, and that way ultimately they can glorify you. Thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.